Hey guys, you're listening to Soul Food. My name is Daniel and I am the pastor of a church called Soul here at Alostar in Malaysia. In this podcast, we will dive into conversations that will help us with our views of certain habits and behaviors that take place in our culture. As you're listening, I'm sure you'll learn a thing or two, but I believe this podcast will help you to expand your perspective. This is Soul Food. Let's dive right in. I am thrilled to have an old buddy um, who have seen me grown literally in size as well. Um, I'm so proud of her because uh, from her days of studying psychology to now a legit psychologist, uh, I'm so thrilled really to have all these different questions for her tonight. Lynette, how are you? Hi, Daniel. Wow. We go way back, isn't it? (laughs) Way, way back. Way back. Well, Those in the Christian community. Days. Oh, oh my gosh, you're going there. Yeah, for those in the Christian community, um, you if you know what cell group is, uh, she used to be my cell group leader. Look church. where you are right now. Oh man, <laughs> taking care of me at menstruation. <laughs> oh gosh, I, I'm still I think bad it was at it. Song, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but. Hey, I'm so thankful uh, to be able to do this with you. Um, we are not going to do at math tonight. Don't worry. All right. Yeah, um, thanks for having me here, really. Yeah, but ah, man, there are so many mental health issues out there. And I think one of it that is apparent, it is talked about mm. right now on social media, radio, TV, any advertisement is really about depression. You know, the question of, uh, are you depressed? You know, don't get depressed. Um, You can also see on media, um, people talking about how depression will lead to suicide. Basically, nothing nice. So tonight, I hope that we are able to, you know, discuss about some of these things regarding depression and really how to live a healthier life. So maybe you could start off by sharing like um, the whole idea of depression. Like, how did it come about and... Well, depression, um, I know that this word has been loosely used nowadays. Like, are you depressed? I'm depressed. You know, I, I'm so emo that I'm depressed. Yeah. You know, that, that kind of lingo. Um, but depression really, if you, talk about, if you talk about clinical psychology context, it has to be clinically diagnosed as depression. Okay. It's just that it has been loosely used. So, so for someone to be clinically diagnosed as depressed, or having a depression, there is a whole checklist to fulfill, mm-hmm. and and it has to be a, it has to be observed over a certain period of time. It's not like oh, just because today I'm super down, I'm depressed. Okay, so it goes on like at least two weeks to months. Okay, you must be consistently feeling down or, or having insomnia or not be able to eat. There is this lack of motivation in the things that you do every day and so on and so forth. And even as I list out all these things, just because you check those boxes uh-huh. doesn't mean that you are depressed. Yeah. Okay. So so we want to be very, very careful that, you know, whenever I do all these talks and all these educational platform, right? Let's not self-diagnose. Okay. Just because you have a headache doesn't mean you have a brain tumor. Mm. And Google search okay. all the different symptoms, right? Correct. Right. Yeah. So, so, 
one thing that I would want everybody here to remember is that probably remember this as an awareness. Like you know about this, you have this information, but if you really want to check out, if you really are depressed or having other um, mental difficulties, go speak for professional help. I see. Yeah. So what, what you're saying is that basically we cannot self-diagnose it then. I cannot consider myself as depressed if I'm going through something. No, shouldn't. Yeah, right. nobody should put that on you either. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Can, can we go, can we expound on that? Like, so if my friend says that, hey, I think you look depressed. Like, that's a big no-no. Mm. Yeah, like it, it's labeling, isn't it? It's like, it's like labeling somebody without knowing what this person's going through. Just because you think that this person is sad and crying and all this kind of thing. And you start saying that, yeah, you're depressed because you don't know the power of your words. It's all these things, all these words that are being put into people's minds that actually impacts the the listener, you know, I have so many clients coming to me having suffering from the words they have been hearing from people around them. It might not be the word depression, but it can be anything else like you're good for nothing. It's, it's the same thing. It's just different thing. You know, you're good for nothing. You are not good enough or you're not successful. And that, that goes in deep down. So it's the same as depression. When people think that, oh, because everybody else is saying that I'm depressed, maybe I am. And... And what does it mean? Does it mean that I'm weak? Maybe I'm weak. But what am I here for, you know? If life is so unlivable, if people think that I'm depressed and I'm, I'm good for nothing, you know, people go down this downward spiral and, it's, and it gets very, very dangerous. So I think the minimum thing that we can do as friends, as community, is to be very mindful of what we think about, yeah, the kind of words that we put onto people. This is something noteworthy. Um, that, that explanation that you just gave um, I realize, even though if you meant good, like, you know, for example, hey, Lynette, you look sad. I think you're depressed. Are you okay? Mm. You know, and, and that person could be sad, but you are just labeling them. Yeah. Like, well, this first part of our podcast, I'm learning from you so much. Like, let's not label our friends. Yeah. You know, yeah, they could look depressed. They could look sad, but let's not label them. I think that's mm-hmm. one important lesson. And one thing I caught from you as well is the awareness of it. Like, just be aware of it. Yes, it is real. It's happening. It mm-hmm. does affect people. But we shouldn't self-diagnose and diagnose yes. anyone, you know, unless yeah. you are certified, you have visited a doctor and the doctor said, that, hey, you know what? I think you are facing mm-hmm. this. Yeah. So I mean, the intention is good. The intention of being more aware and, you know, taking precaution is good. But when you over self-diagnose without knowing it, it puts you in a very bad position. Like it puts you in a place where you feel like, oh no, oh no, oh no, you know, I'm depressed or I have cancer. You know how when you go Google, everything leads to cancer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's really not helpful. <laughs> oh man. Tell me about it. Like I, I found myself sometimes, right? Because um I don't know if it's a good thing because like, you know, okay, maybe you want to save a penny, you know, let's not see mm-hmm. a doctor. So let's self-diagnose. <laughs> you get yeah. more panic because of that. And I think mental health <laughs> is, is kind of worse in a way yeah. because yeah. if you're alone and if you are, if you don't have a community with you and you are just thinking that, you know what, it's me against the world and you start self-diagnosing, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, like the implications that will just arise. Yeah. It's just crazy. Um, but yeah, right. h- how about a person, um, let's say, I mean, I don't want to self-diagnose whether if I'm depressed, but how would I know? What is the threshold that I should think about and like, 
you know what? I think I should see a doctor. Like, I mean, let's be real. Mm. Like, you know, um, to all the listeners out there, some of you are Christians, you know, and you have your faith and you've been praying for a long time, you know, God heal me. But, oh, the reality is that, you know, things are happening at home in your personal life. Things are also happening yeah. in your work life. And the pressure is just piling up, up, and it's just driving you crazy. So mm. that threshold, what would be like a good indicator for us to like, okay, I got to see a doctor. I think first things first, don't let stigma or at least what you perceive to be a stigma stop you from seeing a professional. Just because you are not feeling like you're dying doesn't mean you can't see a doctor. Hmm. You know, like just as long as you think that you need help, that should suffice. You know, that should bring you forward to seek help because there is not, no problem too small to seek help. Okay, I think that is the premise that I really want to set upon. But if your question is asking, like, how do I know that I might be having a, a more serious case or probably potential depression, usually we look at the ability to function. Like, has this been affecting your functioning? Like, your social functioning, your interpersonal relationship with other people, your personal hygiene. Do you feel like you have no motivation to even take care of yourself? Like, no motivation to wake up in the morning or you dread going to work or you dread meeting these people or it's affecting your sleep, your eating habits. So if you notice that there's a change in your behavior and on day-to-day functioning, that is really red flag. So, so that is one big thing. But even if you are not and you feel like you need help, just go, really. Just go and talk to someone reliable. So what I'm hearing is that if I have the feeling that, you know what, I need help, I should really yeah. seek for help. Yeah. Okay, you know, because I don't know if it's an Asian thing where I need help, but let me take some Panadol. You know, mm. I need help, but you know what? Let me just sleep it. In. Let me just sleep, sleep it through. You know, what I mean, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but with mental health, um, can we do that or no? We've got to really seek help. It's a lot to do with our culture, isn't it? Like, I just want to catch you right there and then, you know, okay, like the things that you say to yourself just right, I mean, just now, mm-hmm. like maybe I can just take a few Panadol, maybe I can cope it myself. See, these are the things that people say to us growing up, okay? And and these are the stories that, that, we, that we have been telling ourselves as well. And we really want to be aware, like, okay, are these stories helpful or not helpful? Yeah. Like, what, what's the function of it? Does that mean that I'm weak? If I go and see a doctor now, does mm. that mean I'm weak? You know, because it's not the case. If you, if you really jump out and look at the situation, what is the dilemma all about here? Yeah. And, and if we get to the bottom of it, you realize that, hey, there's actually not much of a dilemma. If, would you say that to, your, to Ayla? If Ayla needs help, will you say that? No, you should, you should, you know, try until you can't, until you break your leg, only you come and ask help. Yeah, so true. You wouldn't do that to a younger child. You wouldn't do that to a younger self. If you look back, imagine yourself back at, you know, a three-year-old DK, for example. Will you say that kind of things to your younger self? No. Like, no, try harder. You know, then why are we being so harsh to ourselves? You know, now, just because that we have grown up, why do we set so many parameters for us to even decide whether can we speak out or not? Mm. Isn't that very sad in a way, you know, like, it's very limiting. And who sets this for us? One, one thing I caught you saying is that it's not a sign of weakness. It's not a sign of weakness to seek help, to see a mm. doctor. 
um, I don't know if it's culture. I think tonight we might also tackle some culture stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, but one word that comes to my mind right now is resilience. Hey, mm-hmm. come on, just toughen up, man. Hey, hello, Taya, hello, yeah. Like, you know, daughter, son, <laughs> be stronger, you know, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. So, is there a limit to it? Like, you know, to build resilience as well? What do you think? I think being strong doesn't mean we need to suppress our pain. Because it almost sounds like being strong means you cannot feel pain. You know, like, like what I'm hearing is a lot of people saying that means, oh, you shouldn't feel pain. It's such a small thing. Come on. You know, but it's not true. Being strong means you can still feel pain and acknowledge that there is pain in you and there's a need to be met. And how do we want to go around it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's just that how we have been, I don't know, is it bring upbringing or culture? Being strong means you need to suck it up, no crying. Yeah. You know, that is that kind of image, right? Like be yep, strong, yep, yep. don't cry. Yeah, but, well, come on. Even superheroes have vulnerabilities, right? Mm-hmm. But kryptonite. <laughs> but that doesn't make him less of a superhero. Yeah. In fact, that vulnerability is what makes him a superhero. Yeah. I'm glad you, you said it. Um, this line, um, being strong doesn't mean we have to suppress the pain. Like, yeah. I think sometimes we are not vulnerable with ourselves, you know, we just mm-hmm. mask it. And I think that's why people get depressed because yeah. they keep suppressing all the pain. It piles up until the point where, yep, just of an image of a balloon where you pump up an air, too much air and it, it just bursts. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. now if, how about for a friend, a perspective of a friend, okay, and I see that you are sad, I see that you are depressed. Now, I'm aware mm-hmm. of this, but what is the best way to encourage them? You know, I've, I've seen some people like, come on, man, you can do this. This is just <laughs> a, a season in your life, a phase that you have to go through. Come on, push yourself, push, push. But, yeah. but you could be like, oh my gosh, like, shut up. Like, stop saying that to <laughs> me already. Like, I'm having a tough time. So how can we like motivate our friends? I, I don't know if is that a right word or how do, can we encourage mm. them? You know, for people who are really going through really, really tough times, asking them to try harder is the worst thing ever that we as friends could ever say. Wow, ouch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we meant well, we definitely mean well, but it is really like a nice step into their hearts because to them it's like, you think I don't want me? Yeah. But I can't. You know, I can't. And, and as friends, what can we do is we really want to learn how to validate their feelings. Um, just helping them to know that you actually understand that they are in pain, that is worth a million other advices that you think you could have given. Mm. You know, like, there's a lot of pressure as friends that we think that, oh, if people come and talk to us, especially church leaders or leaders in general, when people yep. come and talk to you, you assume the the responsibility, oh, I need to give like super good advice. Oh, like this yeah. person is supposed to, aha moment after this person talks to me. I mean, if it happens that way, well done. <laughs> no, I'm really happy for you. But a lot of times, it puts too much pressure on us as a listener and it's not going anywhere. But the best thing that we could offer is really to listen and active listen. You know, to let this person feel like, hey, I'm being heard. And that is done by validating this person's feeling. Like simply saying that I, 
I sense a lot of sadness in you or just say that just hearing you saying all this about your life makes me feel really heavy too. Like I wouldn't know how am I supposed to go through this. You know, just really being that person should like I don't need, I don't even need to label. I don't even need to say that hey, you are sad, you're depressed. I just say that, you know, hearing what you just said makes me feel like, wow, I, I don't know how to do this too. I, I, I like how you're saying it. It makes me feel comfortable. What what else can we ask? Like, you know, because I don't want to simply ask, but what are some examples can you give us that we could ask if they are really facing a tough time? Open-ended question. A short answer to that is really ask them, tell, tell me more. You know, how does this feel like? Yeah. Like, could you describe more? Like, basically, just ask them, how does that feel like? You know, what are they thinking? What thoughts showed up right now? Yeah, it must be painful for you. Yeah. Is there so, any help you think I can give? So it's really like a um, relatability factor. Like, you know, yeah. I want to feel your pain. I want to understand where you're at instead of like yeah. diagnosing you and giving yeah, you... And it's really start from heart. Like there is really no, no script to it. But the intention and even sometimes we know that sometimes because for lack of a better word we might end up diagnosing or labeling and I think as long as your intention is, is good and you do it the right way like like the empathetic way mm. it's okay like it's okay I mean we are not professionals like not everybody are trained in this yeah. and and we already have so limited vocabulary to use right yeah, that yeah, it yeah. has angry <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but let's not be too hard on ourselves. But really try to just empathize and say, really just be be there. You know, sometimes you don't even have to say anything. Mm. Silence is probably one of the most powerful thing you can ever offer to oh, your friend. Wow. So, yeah. Sometimes when when even my own friends like sometimes my clients come in, they are in such a broken state, they just can't talk. And I assure them, it's okay. It's your time. Just do whatever you think you want to be. And maybe whoever you want to be. Mm. And if you want to be silent, I can just be here for you. Mm. you know, but but with friends, sometimes we very get caught, right? Like you yeah. feel like it's not talking. How I'm not anything of new new topic, new topic. <laughs> Probably don't need to, you know. Just uh. just let them be. Just them the assurance that safe space. That's very important. And know that they are not gonna be judged. Yeah. That's that's very, very crucial. You're giving tips to be a good friend as well. I think <laughs> sometimes as friends, yeah, Keko, you know, we are uh, the awkwardness, you know, overwhelms, and then we yeah. are like, I gotta do something. I gotta do something. Yeah. But and then when out of out of work, it's like, hey, chilla, you know, chilla. <laughs> and then that I know, makes I know, I get worse. that. Yeah, yeah, but I, I guess okay. I just want to be very real. Like even if we talk about friendships with friends or family, there are a lot of layers to it. Mm-hmm. For people that you're really close to, like your BFFs, maybe all they want you to do is to rent together with them. And that is okay too. You know, there's really no hard and fast rule. But it also depends on your relationship with that person. Like if my best friend comes to me and complain about her life, and if I go like, wow, okay. I think she's probably going to slap me too. Like, hey, come on, like, you know, can you just, you know, be, can you just Ranting together with about me. things? Yeah, I ran it together with me. So I, I, I just want to also, you know, bring this up and say it really depends on your relationship with that person as well. Okay, so speaking on relationship, what would be the danger sign? Um, 
I am relating to you now. I am relating with you. I rant with you. Or I cry with you. I hear you out. But it's been one month, two months, three months, four mm. months, five months. Oh man, I'm sick of you. Like, mm. how long can I mm. rant together with you? So, yeah. as friends, do we have a threshold as well? Like, to hey, you know what? Time to go and see a doctor. Can we do that? Can we can we instigate that? Is it right for us to do that? You know, it happens to me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> like, what, where's the threshold? I don't know. Like, honestly, it's just, if you think that, you know, I believe that all of us are given this instinctive gut feel, you call it. Yeah. There are a lot of things you can't just go by the book. Mm. And it would be unfair if, if let's say, I would t- if I were to tell you that, you know, there's a guideline, I don't think I'm, I'm I think I'm probably out of my mind too. You know, but a lot of times we just need to be, you know, have believe in our instinct and, and know that, you know, you know that as a friend, that's all you can help. You know that you have reached a limit as a friend. Like, the most I can do is to cry if you rant with you. But if you are not moving forward, I think you need to seek help. Yeah. So, so I would go from the perspective where I would say that, you know, that's all I can help. And I'm not being helpful to you anymore can I go with you to seek someone for help? You know, like, I'm not leaving you alone, but can I go with you? Yeah. I think um, it's about the depth of the relationship as well. I think the moment when you said that there is no um, list of things to do or like uh, uh, one way to identify like, okay, as a friend, you can do this. I think it just shows that how deep is the relationship because hey, if I know you, if I understand you, I come to realize that, hey, I think, man, I've come to the end of what I can do, you know, and I don't want to see you in pain. Hey, mm-hmm. how about our first, the first session? Let me go with you together, you know, mm-hmm. let's go and discover and I think we could really improve from there. You know, yeah. s- speaking from just now, right, about listening, I'm guilty of it. Like, I would love to just settle everything like one shot. Like, one session. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, come on, let's get it over with. I think in my, the early part of my leadership and today being a pastor, uh, one of the things I'm really trying to learn is listening. Like, mm. like listening to people, hearing them out. And I, I remember I've listened to so many podcasts and people teaching me mentors. Um like one of the things they say is like, hey, you know what? Don't say. The best thing is don't say. Um, <laughs> you mentioned about active listening. Can you can you teach us how to be a good active listener? Starts with the intention. <laughs> okay. Like, you know, I don't know. It, it, there's this very very common phrase that says, you know, listen for the sake of listening. Like you listen to understand, not to reply. Okay, but a lot of times we listen so that we gather enough points to reply. To, to come back with a better, you know, punchline or whatever. Can I get you to repeat that again? That's <laughs> so good. Uh, we, we, we listen to understand, but we shouldn't listen to reply. So, I think a lot of so, people just listen to reply because they're impatient. Yeah, I mean, I'm guilty of that. I mean, like, it's because it's so easy because you want things quick, right? And if I can win over this argument or if I give, if I think that I can offer you a better opinion, then case closed. But that just don't really work with us human beings, with the psychology. Yeah. And a lot of times when you listen to, to reply or you listen to evaluate, immediately you jump into questions like, hey, why are you like that? You know, when you evaluate, when you advise, it's almost like taking 
psychological air away from this person. Like, this person feels suffocated. Like, talking to you makes me suffocate. Wow. You know, because you're not giving me the air, the space to talk about it. Like, you're constantly trying to reply and telling me things that I don't need you to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm so guilty. That's me. <laughs> we, we are all, we are all, we will, we will be caught into situations like this because it's just how, how we are all being brought up and, and you know, mm-hmm. we, we model after people around us. Yeah. yeah. And, and we often have this thought that, you know, the, if I can settle it quick, then things, if I, if, I, if I can give you a good opinion or a good advice, we can settle it quick. Mm, yep. but, but a good conversation, if this person feels hurt, you don't even need to crack your head and give your advice because you already won half of the battle. Like this person usually will come up with their own understanding. So I'm, I'm not sure about your experience, but for me, I know that even though I think that I've given my best advice in the world, like top advice, this person can still listen and go like, Oh, okay. I'll think about it. Wow. Why? Because it's not what they want to hear. You know, everybody will have their own set of interpretation just because you think that your advice is the best because you have, you have come through, you have gone through the same situation, your experience. But that's not what this person wants to hear. Mm-hmm. And the best advice will always be the advice that churn not from this person themselves. And which is why in counseling, in therapy, we don't give advice, which is a lot of people, that's what a lot of people think we do. Mm-hmm. even my own friends but we don't give advice at all we only ask questions mm. and they will discover their own solution themselves yeah because it's it's beautiful it's powerful when you are able to discover your own issues yep and then that way you you overcome it yeah you know, and, right. and that that level of commitment is different when you come up with something yourself the level of commitment to that solution is very different from taking it from other people like, or because DK said I need to do this versus I think I need to do this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm inclined. I'm inclined with what you say tonight. Um, it's true because I think a lot of human beings, we just work based on experience. So mm-hmm. it could be even like, yeah, I've been depressed before. So, Hey, you know what? I can help you, you know, but I think the human emotion is complex. It's not yeah, like, really. I have the experience of driving a car. I can teach you how to drive a car. It's, it's not mm-hmm. as straightforward as that. The, the human emotion is complex. You know, there are yeah. layers of emotions, layers of issues, and different right. people just work differently. So I think yeah. tonight I've learned so much from you. I think we could just go on and on and on <laughs> with the different facets of like how we could really be a better person. But if I could sum everything up tonight, it's just really to be a better listener and to be present mm-hmm. to that person. Like, yep. hey, you know what? I am here for you. Come, let's talk. Let's understand these things. And then when I realize I've come to the end of everything, like, hey, you know what? Let's go find someone. You know, and then if an individual is going through a lot, hey, you know what? We don't have to be a superman or superwoman suppressing all our pain. Just go find yeah. someone and get help. Okay. So before we end wow. our, this episode, what would be the other warning signs of depression that we should be aware? Mm-hmm. And once when we identify it, what should be, what what are the steps? Hmm. It is pretty much like what I've covered earlier. But if there's one thing that we should really look out for is consistency. How has this 
uh, emotions or this, the state they are in right now, how consistent has it been? Like, is it prolonged? Has it gone over a prolonged period of time? If yes, then it's really something that we really, really want to look into. And, and of course, the functionality, like, does it affect your life, be it your social work or family? Yeah, so it's this main tool. And, and emotion-wise, you see, that's the thing about emotions is you can feel sad and not clinically depressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we want to understand that as well. Like being sad, having anger, is just part of being human being. Just part of being human. Yeah, and it's okay like to not suppress those emotions. But if you think that there is, it reaches a point where you find yourself not being able to cope. Emotional outbursts, for example. And, and even as I talk about that, we also want to take note that has this been a pattern? Like this person always has emotional outbursts, then maybe it's not like a sudden change of event. But if all of a sudden this person super good tempered and then suddenly having emotional outburst or retracting themselves from from going out, if you notice like your friend used to you know like to lap up together, but recently don't want to go out anymore, mm. you know look for that change, look for that 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 line of difference that usually indicates something. Consistency and that line of difference. Thank you, yeah. Lynette Chai. You've been a great help. Uh, Thank you. I, really I hope that has been helpful. Oh, definitely. I, I really appreciate our friendship. Um, Lynette um, also is a counsellor. You can reach out to her. Her IG is at Lynette Chai. Double N. L-Y double N E. Double T. Double T E C H A I. Um, she's a certified counsellor. And for any listeners out there, you know, whether you are in KL, um, Alustar, um, we've got listeners in Indonesia, different parts of the world. You know what? With technology and everything, I'm sure Lynette would love to have a conversation with you and you can share yep. with her as well. Love. Once love again, thanks, Lynette. Thank you. Thank you, DK. I hope you have enjoyed this podcast. Do share it with your friends. Now, if you have any questions, you can DM us on our Instagram at Soul Malaysia.